Have your Bibles open to Mark 14, and we're looking at that passage that was read to us earlier by Barb. Thank you, Barb. We should pay you more for that one, shouldn't we? It was long. There's a number of scenes in that. You could, there's actually probably about a whole series in that, but we're not going there. We're getting through Mark together. And hasn't it been fun going through Mark's gospel? And we need to say goodbye to the kids and pray for them. Bless you guys as you're heading out. Have fun. We should make some like rowdy noises in here, like laugh at different times so that they think we're having hygiene. Having fun in here as well. Have you everyone got their Bibles out? Good. This passage is about worship, really. It's about extravagant love. It's about extravagant love and uh, worship. And in this passage, there are scenes that show us different kinds of worship. Now, you would have seen these different kinds of worship in your life. I think we're all old enough and mature enough to have been around to see these different kinds of worship in our lives. Worship is giving weight to something or someone. Basically saying this, this thing or this person is way more important than me. All right? Everyone worships something. If it's not yourself, it's something. You know, it could be, could be someone. You know, a lot of... Uh, a lot of men out there are worshipping women. A lot of women out there are worshipping men. <laughs> not in our house. <laughs> Hope not. But we worship the Lord, right? We worship Jesus in this place because we know he's greater than us. And he's worthy of all worship. He's, in fact, he is the Lord of lords and the King of all kings. And in this section in Mark's gospel, not a lot of people were really getting onto that truth. Not a lot of people. And so let's look at just some different kinds of worship. The first, the first kind of worshipper is the person who worships God to a program. Okay, verses 1 and 2. We see here, it says, Now the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread were only two days away. This is, a, this is worship, right, for the Jews. This is, a, this is a, a, a Jewish festival celebrating the Passover, where, where the, the Spirit of God passed over certain homes and certain families in Egypt at the time when, G when God was delivering his people as slaves out of Egypt and making them into a nation, all right? And so Passover was about to be celebrated. It was a time of worship, a time of thanksgiving for what God had done, his deliverance, his salvation. And also the Feast of Unleavened Bread was about to take place. We're only two days away. In fact, Mark is being a little bit um, he's using writer's license, poetic license, because actually this event happened on the Saturday night. So, in fact, this event uh, of, of where Mary breaks the jar was six days before the Passover. But Mark has slotted it in here, and Matthew also slots it in here as well, copying Mark's uh, trans uh, script. He's not doing it to try and trick anybody. He's writing here not trying to be chronologically in order. He's writing here to make a point about contrast. He's writing here to make a point about contrast. Just like your Bibles, you know, your old Bibles that used to have paper, you know, they had white paper and black ink so that you could see the ink. If the, back of the, if the paper was black and the ink was black, there'd be no point. 
here, Mark is trying to get us to see the contrast between people's hearts in worship. And so he, he says, two, two days away from now, there's going to be a Passover and, a, and, a, and the feast. And the, the chief priests and the teachers of the law worshipped to a program. They worshipped to a, pro, a process, a procedure, a, a, a routine, a tradition. In and of itself, it wasn't wrong. But what they were doing is they were pushing Jesus out of it. You ever been to a church like that where they, like the worship time is basically just so organized that the Holy Spirit can't move or Jesus isn't even really honored or glorified. It's just, this is what we do. We've got to tick the box. This is, we do it this way, this way, this way, and this way. And that's what we do. You ever been to churches like that or been a part of a church service like that where people worship to a program? or worship to some sort of procedure? Have you ever been one of those people? I used to go to church thinking that when I went to church, God was more happy with me than when I didn't go to church. And if I sinned, and I knowingly sinned against God, and if I went to church and said some prayers, then I'd be okay. But there was no relationship with Jesus. There was no connection with God. There was, there was no true worship. I was just worshipping the procedure, the program. And here they were. They were out to kill Jesus. Not so much push him out of the picture, but to kill him. The, the Passover lamb, like the actual one that they should be worshipping because <laughs> they've done all the tradition and the process that points to the actual reality in Christ, right? But they missed it. They just missed it. They were more concerned if you notice in verse 2, they were more concerned about what other people thought about them. In fact, they, they, they chose not to kill Jesus during the feast because the people may riot. The people, you know, it's what the people think. It's what the majority think. That's more important. We don't, we don't care what Jesus thinks in this, in this situation. We care about what the people think. And worshippers who worship to a program or to a procedure that push Jesus out of it, they care about what, what people think. Have you noticed people like that in your life? It's the majority that rules, you know? It's not about what Jesus wants to do. That's that, that kind of worship. Do you think that worship is wrong or right? Just some feedback from the audience tonight. Worshipping to a program, pushing out Jesus. It's not right. It's not right. Thank you so much. There was a long pause. Okay, so another, another one. Uh, we're going to skip over Mary, okay? Because we know Mary's the right answer, all right? But we're not going to go there just yet. I want you to look at verses 10 and 11. A different, another kind of worship. There, there, are, there are kinds of worshippers out there that worship Jesus to a point. They worship Jesus to a point. And here we see Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve. He went to the chief priests to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money. We find out somewhere else it's 30 pieces of silver, which is about half a, yeah, price of a slave. You know that. Oh, there you go. It's about almost a third of a year's wages. They were delighted to hear this, so he watched for an opportunity to hand Jesus over. In fact, what we see too is, is as, uh, as Mary worships Jesus by pouring the oil over her, people get upset, right? 
And we find out from the other Gospels, like John and Matthew, I think, mentions it, that it's actually Judas who starts the ball rolling, getting upset, because, you know, this this could have been sold to, to pay for, you know, to look after the poor. And we all know that Judas couldn't give a rat's for the poor, right? He couldn't care less for the poor. He was just dipping it into his own, putting it into his pockets, padding his own pockets with that money. He, he couldn't care less. But you know what? Judas was actually there in the boat with Jesus. He, he saw Jesus walking on water, for goodness sake. He was there on the mountainside and he saw the little boy bring the, the loaves and the fish and he saw thousands of people get fed. Like he saw the miracles. He saw, he saw people come back to life. He saw the widow's son that was being stretched out on a funeral procession come back to life. And Jesus just ruined the funeral. Speaking of funerals, Lazarus, same deal, right? Judas was there. He saw the miracles. More than that, he was involved in them. You know, when Jesus sent out the 12, two by two, he sent them out to what? Anyone know? Just heal the sick. Cast out demons, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, preach the kingdom. Yeah, yep. And even, even to the to the nation of Israel when he was sent to the Israelites as well. So Judas was involved in ministry. He was involved. He went all the way with Jesus to a point when Jesus didn't measure up to his expectations of what he should be. He said, "No, nah, I'm selling this Jesus off. He's not the Messiah." He's talking about going to die on a cross. This obviously isn't the Messiah. I'm going to sell him out because he doesn't meet my expectations. Have you ever met people like that in church? They're probably not there anymore. They've probably gone somewhere else because Jesus didn't meet their expectations. And it's kind of sad because sometimes people leave church. And I'm okay with people leaving church. But if they leave Jesus... If they leave a relationship with him, I'm not okay with that. And I'm sure you guys wouldn't be either. But I've seen people leave church, like the institution of church. You know, for a while they've just gone, no, I'm not just not doing that for a while. But yet they still pray. They still meet up with other Christians over coffee. They're just not ready to go back to the big thing anymore. You've seen people like that? I've seen people like that. Have you ever seen people that just say, no, um, and they wash their hands of it and they walk away? And they become missionaries to the world that say things like, I tried that and it didn't work for me. I tried that and it didn't work for me. Like there was no, obviously, I don't know, the message that some people are hearing is, come to church, do these things and you'll be okay. Not come to Jesus, have a relationship with him and you'll be okay. You know, I tried that, didn't work for me. But some people worship Jesus to a point. Some people worship worship God to a program and they just push Jesus out. And some people worship him to a point and they, and they, and they sell him off and they walk away to their own detriment. And that's not the right way either to worship, is it? Let's have a look at Mary. In verse 3, we see while he was in Bethany, Jesus is visiting um, this home of a man called Simon the leper, the poor guy. Like he's cleansed of leprosy, obviously, because everyone's in his home. And he's there, Jesus is there. But he's still called Simon the leper. And uh, they're all reclining at the table of this man. And we find out too that Lazarus is there in the mix. Lazarus is sitting around the table reclining. 
not sitting. They don't have chairs. They're lying down, and um, and they're just good. they're just having a meal. You know, the fellas are together having a meal. They're talking about Lazarus, just saying, "How was it? What sort of things went through your mind when you were dead for three days?" You know, and they were talking to to the Simon the leper, and he's showing them where he used to have scars, and now there's not scars anymore, and they're just having a good old time. And then all of a sudden, this woman uses no manners at all, and she comes in. And she breaks this jar of alabaster perfume and puts it on Jesus' head. I'm a sniffer. I'm a sniffer. Anyone here want to confess tonight to be a sniffer? I can be somewhere, seriously, and I smell something and it takes me back to somewhere else. Yes, I see a nod. Thank you, sir. Praise you. Praise God. Bless you. Um, I see a hand. No, I didn't see a hand. But... Josh is the same. You know, the other day, um, a couple of weeks back, sorry, Sonia was cooking dinner and she was cooking apricot chicken and in the slow cooker. And Josh has come in and he's gone, smells like Nanny and Pop's house. Well, he didn't know she was cooking. It was in the slow cooker. But he's just walked into the room and he's like, smells like Nanny and Pop's house. Why does it smell like Nanny and Pop's house? Because <laughs> he's a sniffer. But the smell... It attracted, like his sense, his smell, his smelling sense attra- was attracted to that smell and it took him to the place where he smelt it last. This is um, Hypnotic Poison by Dior. Are we allowed to advertise during sermons? I don't know. Um, but this is Sonia's, right? When I smell it, have a guess what I'm thinking of. Sonia. Absolutely. Of course I am. Of course I'm thinking of Sonia. Why? Because you associate that with her, that's what she wears. That's what she wears. She smells like that. All right? Now, this is, what, 50 milliliters? This lady, Mary, brings in, by the way, we know she's Mary from another gospel, okay? So I'm not reading into the text. We know she's Mary, the, the sister of Lazarus, from another gospel. And she comes in with a jar of very expensive perfume. We find that it's, it's about 500 milliliters, 500, that's half a liter. And she's just gone on Jesus's head. What if I was to go around and just dab a little bit on you here and there of this, just this, you know, the smell would, would permeate through the whole room. It could be offensive to some people, couldn't it? There's nothing you can do about it though. And she does that. She shows this worship. She doesn't worship to a program. She doesn't wait for something to happen first. She, she takes the initiative, right? She doesn't worship to a point. She doesn't just sort of go in and then just pour a little bit on Jesus. She breaks the whole thing. There's no, there's no limit, right? She breaks the whole thing. And really what she's doing in, in breaking the jar, she's breaking her heart before the Lord, right? She's saying, this is all of me. I'm emptying myself onto you in, in an act of honor and worship. But she, she doesn't worship the program or, or to a point. She worships the person. You know, she enters the room and she goes straight to Jesus. Did anyone do that tonight when they came to church? Anyone. That's what needs to happen. Church is a waste of time unless we worship him. All right? Now, we can worship. We don't have to sing. Don't have to wait. Um, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying, did you start singing? All right? Did you start worshipping? Did you start giving the weight to Jesus when you came here today, tonight? Or were you thinking about the program? 
Or were you thinking about getting to the point where I, just, I can't go any further, I've, I need to leave at 6.30, that's it. You know, we've got to get the worship right. And it's easy to look at people in the Bible and say, da, 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 but when it comes home, it's different, isn't it? How willing are we to break our hearts in his presence tonight or any other night or any other day? What Mary did that day or that night was a dinner was costly. Her worship cost her. It cost her. This jar of expensive perfume was made of pure nard. I have no idea what nard was, so I googled it. It's really, really interesting what nard is. It's, it's made from the, the roots of this tiny little plant that grows generally in the Himalayan regions around this time when this text was written, when Jesus was on the earth. In the Himalayas, right? The Himalayas. That's a long way away from Nazareth, from um, Bethany, wherever we are tonight. The Himalayas, that's, that's rare. Like they can't just stick that in a, you know, FedEx jet and ship it to Bethany. It takes a long time to get it there. It's rare. It's expensive. And she had 500 milliliters of the stuff. And she broke it and poured it out onto It cost her. It was expensive. It was expensive. Now, looking at the other two kinds of worshippers, the worshippers that worship to a program didn't cost them anything. They didn't actually want to pay anything to Jesus. They didn't want to show value to Jesus at all. And when it comes to the, the worshippers to a point, all they're doing is, what can I get out of Jesus? And if I can't get anything out of Jesus, I'm going to get something out of this and walk away. And, and Judas got, uh, what was it? 30 pieces of silver. He, he took out of worship. That's not worship. Worship must be a place where we give something of ourselves, where we, where it costs us, where there's a sacrifice of praise, where I don't feel like worshipping Jesus, but, but I know that when I do worship him, when I pour out my life to him, he's going to be honoured and he's going to get all the glory and he is actually going to honour me back, which is exactly what happens in this case of extravagant love. Where this woman, she just comes in. She doesn't wait for a cue. She just doesn't even excuse herself. It just says she's come in, she broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. And we find out in other Gospels too, she pours it on his feet, What cleans his feet with her hair. But regardless of what parts of Jesus' body she's poured it out on, she's emptied herself. Right? She's emptied her value, her expensive perfume she's emptied herself in his presence and that's what true worship is and when when someone does that oh sorry sonia dropped your perfume when somebody does that when someone recklessly does that like worships the lord in his presence there's always going to be offense they, they, they don't don't expect expect it right be prepared for it. Um, they won't be here because we just love you. So we just want you to worship him however you like. Um, by the way, you don't have to jump up and dance. You don't have to sing. All right. That's not, you know, we're not saying that you've got to be the most emotional. We're just saying it's your heart and him. Just the, there has to be nothing in the way, right? There is a story in 2 Samuel of somebody who is dancing before the king and gets rebuked for it. I just want to read to you from, from, uh, from here uh, in 2 Samuel 6. It's actually a king. 
King David. And it says the Lord, King David, uh, sorry, 2 Samuel 6 and verse 12. If you've got your Bibles, turn there with me. If not, just take a note and read it yourself. The ark is brought back to Jerusalem, right? Now, King David was told the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom because he had the ark, right? And everything he has because of the ark of the Lord. So David went down and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps. How many steps? Six. He sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf, and David, wearing a linen ephod, danced before the Lord with all his might. While he and the entire house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets. That's not quiet. That's not quiet. I don't know if you'd probably call that an orderly service of worship either. And it says, as the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michal, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. And then it goes on to say that uh, as he brought in the uh, the ark, uh, he put it inside the tent and, and uh, David sacrificed more burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. And then when he finished doing all the offerings, everyone got cake. Raisin cakes, right, basically. And then after that, in verse 20, it says, When David returned home to bless his household, right, Michael, Michal, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, How the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, disrobing in the sight of all the slave girls of his servants as any vulgar fellow would. David said to Michal, it was before the Lord. It was before the Lord. I just want you to just highlight that verse, those words, before the Lord. You know, and then he says down a bit further in verse 22, I will become even more undignified than this, and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honour. And poor old Michal, the daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. Ouch. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to happen to you if you ever insult someone for worshipping the Lord in a weird kind of way. But I guess the challenge I want to put out to you, and I guess the teaching from that, and this scenario with Mary, is that we should never judge people's hearts from their outward actions. We should never do that. It's just the Lord that can judge the heart of a person. You know, so um, it's really important that we do that. And also, it's also important that you know that about yourself. You know, this is a place, I just want to declare it right now, this is a place where people can worship the Lord, okay, worship the Lord Jesus. They can lift their hands, they can kneel, they can dance, they can sing, they can just be quiet, they can just sit still. We don't really care. It's just as long as there's a real person getting real with a real God, I think that's all we care about tonight, right, in church, no matter how that looks. But this isn't even talking about church. Worship isn't really talking about, it's, it's a life. And that go, we can take that into Monday and Tuesday, you know. When you see another brother or sister out in the street and, and they're doing something for the Lord with all their heart, but it looks to you like it's a waste, don't judge them. She broke the jar and poured it out. And everyone in that area 
mainly Judas, but everyone else agreed, this is a waste, could have been sold. And they rebuked her harshly. And guess who steps in? Jesus. I don't want to be on the bad side of Jesus. He rebukes them. You know, Michal rebuked King David for worshipping the way that he did. And guess who rebuked her? Sadly, she wasn't having any children. And it seems to me that's, that's what happens. Who really is God, I guess, is the question. He is. So she broke it. Um, extravagant love. Now, I've got three minutes. The passage that Barb read for us went all the way through. There are three different kinds of worshippers. Those who worship to a program, those who worship to a point, and those who worship to a person. And, and the ones who worship to a person show extravagant love. Something valuable to them is broken. I wonder if there's something in your life that you hold valuable that needs to be broken, that, that, that is more valuable to you than your relationship with Jesus. I know that's a hard thing to ask because I, I think we're all good here, but I don't know. We need to make sure that that doesn't happen. Something gets more valuable than Jesus. If it does, we need to break it. We need to come before him and say, this is yours. I pour it out. This pride is broken. It's yours. This attitude broken. It's yours. This relationship that I've got, that I'm, I'm, I'm holding on to unforgiveness. I just want to break that and give it to you, Jesus. I just want to worship you. You're God. I'm not. I worship you. I give you the worth that's due your name. Because what Jesus does, which makes a whole lot of sense as to why he honoured Mary for her worship, is what Jesus does in the, in the Lord's Supper, where he shares with the, with the disciples, he takes the bread. And what's he do? Breaks it. And he says what? This is my body. Which makes no sense to my concrete mind because he's in his body saying, this is my body. What? What's he saying? Not the bread is my body. This is actually what I'm doing. I'm going to do this with my body. I'm going to break. I'm going to give my whole. I'm going to empty myself. In fact, I've been emptying myself. You know, he emptied himself and became one of us. Took the appearance of a slave and died on the cross for our sins. But he was about to empty himself fully on the cross. He said, take and eat, this is my body. And then he said, uh, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. And they all drank from it after they gave thanks. Jesus understands what true love looks like, what extravagant love looks like. And everything that Jesus did was to a person, the Father. He never said anything that he didn't hear the Father say. He never did anything that he never saw the Father doing. Everything he did was led by the, the Spirit of God, empowered by the Spirit of God, and led by the voice of his Father. Everything he did, he honoured God. And that's exactly what true worship does. It puts the person of Jesus Christ on the throne and honours him. It's beautiful that she anoints his head here. I think that might be a symbol of his kingship. He's, he's the king. He's her king. And she's saying, you're my king. But what Jesus does is he says, you might be, he doesn't say you might be doing this for this. We don't know what her reasons were in her mind, but we know why she did it because Jesus told her why she did it. She probably just didn't realize why she was doing it. Why did she do it? Yeah, in verse eight, she did what she could. She poured perfume on my body 
beforehand to prepare for my burial. This is how I'm going to be king. That's how I kind of see it. That Jesus, you know, he doesn't fit into our, our way of what, what a king is. He humbles himself and he conquers, he conquers, he fights our battles. by he, he fought the death and the grave and sin as a conquering king. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Question to leave you with tonight, everyone. What price will you pay? What price will you pay in worshipping Jesus this week? Not next Sunday or this Sunday when we sing. We're not going to sing in last song. It's not about singing. But what price will you pay? Are you willing to pay tomorrow to honour Jesus, to worship him, wherever you find yourself, whatever you're doing? It might be teaching a class. It might be learning in a class. It might be printing things. It might be working with other colleagues. It might be going for a walk with a neighbour. You know, and what will you pay? What, will you, what price will you pay to honour Jesus this week? And is there something stopping you? Don't listen to the crowds. Don't so much follow the programs and miss the person. All right? And be, be willing to empty yourself in his presence. Let's pray. I just want to thank you, Lord, that you are the model for, uh, for I guess, our worship, that you gave your all. And Lord, if you, the Son of God, the creator of the universe, gave your all for me, then what, what can I give to you? I don't have anything that measures up to all that you gave. But Lord, I give you me. Lord, we do that. We give you me tonight. We give you ourselves tonight. Lord, search our hearts. Use us, Lord, I pray. And help us to be people that are willing to be broken in your presence, in this place, in this world, in our neighbourhoods, Lord to bring you honour and glory. We want to worship you. We want to do what we can, like what Mary did. She did what she could. And Lord, we want to do that for you this week. We want to honour you this week. We thank you so much that you, you have showed us what it means to do that. You've led the way. So Jesus, we worship you as our King tonight. Have your way in our hearts. Amen. <laughs>